The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God of our journey, we, your people, gather seeking a homeland in search of a better country, moving in faith. So as we hear your word and gather around your table, keep our eyes as surely fixed on Jesus as his were on Jerusalem, where he bore the shame of the cross, rose again to life, and from whence he ascended to you to prepare a place for us. We ask this through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. first lesson is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This ends the reading of the first lesson. Oh, 
According to Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. Hear the word of the Lord. When the days drew nigh for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of them. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command the fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. In college, I had a friend named Ryan, and Ryan had a roommate, Bill, and Bill had a girlfriend named Beth. And all three of them were from Havelock, down on the, near the coast. And so driving from Havelock up to Boone, where we all went to Appalachian, that was a long drive. Bill and Beth both had cars, but Ryan didn't. And so they would take turns driving Ryan back to school. And he would tell me that Beth wasn't a bad driver until she started talking and she'd look over at him. And as she looked at him, she'd take the steering wheel with her. And he'd go, no, stop, look back at the road. Keep your eyes on the road. Because it would scare him when she would take the steering wheel with her. In Jesus' day, he talked about not looking back from the plow. When we look backwards, the plow follows the path of where we're looking, not where we're going. And we know this to be true for almost any action. The place where we are focused is where we tend to go. In our gospel reading today, we see these men who want to follow Jesus, but they want to go home first, one to bury his father, one to say goodbye to his family. These are very logical reasons to go home. But Jesus tells the men, no, you can't do that. Perhaps Jesus knows what happens when we go home. A lot of times when Samantha is in ballet, I use that time to walk around a store. Usually I'll go to Target because I'm not there to buy anything. Yes, you can go to Target and not buy something. But I'll walk around in Target because it's not as personal of a store. It's not a small store where they're going to be watching me the whole time. And so I'll just walk around. I don't want to go home because I know that when I go home, I might sit down on that couch and not get back up. And she still has to be picked up. Sometimes, though it's very rare, I may start doing household chores and when I do, well, there's always just one more thing to do before I go, and I end up being late to pick her up from dance. But if I stay out of the house, 
I'm less likely to be late. Maybe Jesus knows that there's a good reason not to go back to the house. There always will be just one more thing to do, and suddenly our priority goes from what we were supposed to do to what we're doing right now. It's not wrong to want to bury your father or spend time with your family, but it's possible that we then can let our family replace Jesus as a priority. We might start thinking so much about the need to earn enough money to pay for a bigger house, for the elite travel soccer team, or the dance company, or the most expensive violin, or the most luxurious car, I think you see where I'm headed with this, that we swerve in the directions of our thoughts. We forget to give back to God because we want the best for our families. Wanting the best for our family, not a bad thing, until it takes our focus away from the main thing, which is God. Being obedient is part of our calling. It's part of our journey. When Jesus speaks in this part of Luke, he probably is speaking to those already following him. Like people throughout time, Jesus uses hyperbole and exaggeration to make his point. Basically, he's telling his followers to let go of what has been. Leave the comforts of home. Release your grip on the doorpost. Move into the unknown. It's often what we've experienced when we go off to college or move away from home for the first time. We have to let go of the comforts of home. And we know that when we leave, nothing will ever be the same. But that's not always a bad thing. When I left for college, I was really excited, but I was also scared. What if not a single person on that campus liked me? What if I failed all my classes because turns out I'm really not that smart? What if, what if, what if? Now the first couple of weekends I was in college, I went home. I wanted to see my family, I wanted to sleep in my bed, eat some good food. But then about the third weekend, there was a retreat with the Appalachian Wesley Foundation. And so I didn't go home that weekend. And then something else came up for the next weekend, and before I knew it, my parents were calling saying, are you ever coming back home? I was spending all my time with my new friends. And you know what else? It turns out I was smart enough to be there. They didn't kick me out. My fears quickly disappeared, and in their place, I found so much more than I ever hoped to find. We're slowly working our way through the 11th chapter of Hebrews, reminding ourselves of the great faith of our ancestors, especially Abraham and Sarah. They had faith in God, and that kept them moving forward. They could see the promises of God, even when it felt as if those promises would never come to fruition. Children, land, stability, we hear their story of faith, their story of trust, of perseverance, and it reminds us of those who have gone before us, our ancestors of the faith, right here from this congregation. Remember Margaret Keller and the women and the men who helped her to start Dorcas? 
This was done in response to their faith, to their belief that they needed to move forward on an idea to care for young children who needed coats and couldn't go to kindergarten. And they didn't have the other advantages that some of the other children in this area did. This response to God's calling has become a huge resource in Western Wake County. They're a consistent winner of the title Best Charitable Organization. This is a resource that continues to find new ways to serve the community, including partnering with Wake County so that they can increase services to this area. It's all because a group of people had faith that this is the way to serve Christ. And that ministry continues to move forward through the generations, even though Margaret and some of her contemporaries never saw what Dorcas has become and will continue to grow into in the future. We all are familiar with Zoe ministry in our community. It began as the vision of a 15-year-old girl who was concerned about the fate of the children of AIDS victims in Africa. When it started, Zoe went into Zimbabwe and they handed out money and or food and they provided wonderful relief for those children. But they also created a cycle of dependence. So God called more people into this ministry and soon the structure of the organization completely changed. Today, thousands of orphans have learned how to care for themselves, their siblings, and they even give back so that new work groups can be formed. Zoe has extended into several other countries across three continents because the leaders kept moving forward, because they kept following Jesus Christ, and they did not veer into the wrong lane. Philip Sharper, who's a book editor, says that Christians are pilgrims, or even more accurately, we are nomads. A popular church metaphor is that of the people of God on pilgrimage. But a more apt metaphor should be that the people of God as nomads. Pilgrims know where their journey is headed. Nomads are called to go by uncertain paths to a place that shall be made holy at some indefinite time by something God shall say or do. And there is no guide, no guide except a pillar of fire by night and a wind-driven cloud by day, sounds and symbols of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are pilgrims because we do know what our destination is, the building down the block and eternity with God. But we also are nomads because while the physical destination is known, we don't really have a full idea of what we will find when we get there. The exact path of how we will worship is unknown, but with the Holy Spirit as our guide, we will find something that is amazing, something that worships the one true God. We will find something that will change with time and experience, but will move us forward on the path that follows God. It's always interesting how we can find something we never expected when we move forward. One of my previous churches had a screen in the sanctuary, and they have moved to a completely digital service. 
They put all the words to the prayers and the creeds and the hymns and the scripture. All of that went up on the screen. During the offering, there was a video that played that tied into the sermon for the day. Now that screen was put in the sanctuary several years before I arrived to serve that congregation. So by the time I got there, they were used to it. However, as church folks like to do, people would pull me aside and let me know just what a challenge it was to get that screen in there and how long it took for people to get to the point where they could take those screens for granted. They even made sure to tell me about that one woman who would not look at the screen for the first year. She pulled out her hymnal every week, she read her bulletin, and she would stare straight ahead during the offering, not lifting her eyes to that screen. Knowing her stubbornness, I'm surprised she didn't just completely turn around. She came around, though. She used that screen as much as anyone else. One year while I was at this church, we decided as a congregation to fast from technology during worship for the season of Lent. We also decided as a congregation after that Lenten season that this should never be done again. The congregation had come to love the ease of worship with the screen and the opportunities for visual beauty on those screens during the service. They found something they never expected to find, all because they moved forward in faith, even though they really didn't want to. The thing about faith is we can't just hunker down. We can't become content with where we are, what we're doing, or how we're doing it. When we do that, we lose sight of what we are called to do. We end up with blinders on, unsure of what it is we're doing, how we're getting there, and where we're going. Our faith dictates that we should maintain a kind of mobility that allows us to follow God wherever God leads us. We are called out from what already is to what is yet to be in God's plans. We do this with hope and conviction, even when we move into unchartered territory. Faith recognizes that what God offers us is better than anything we can begin to imagine. How many of us could have ever imagined that the ordinary items of bread and juice would come to symbolize for us the body and blood of Christ and the new life that we receive? This kind of faith is not something that we can develop on our own. Our words do not create our faith. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. This same faith given to us by God is what sends us out of the church after worship so that we may proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are so fortunate to have this beautiful new building down the block. With that new building and with our renovated buildings, we have incredible tools for ministry. That was the whole premise of building to serve, that we will use these buildings to serve God. We are already seeing that come into fruition by the ways that we are already reaching our community. If we are going to share the heart of Christ from the heart of Carrie, then we have to keep our eyes on the road. 
We have to stay focused on why we have this new building, why we're renovating the older buildings, why we're willing to be inconvenienced for this really short period of time. What's 15 to 18 months out of 150 years of ministry? We have the opportunity to heed God's calling to do something new. God promises to be with us every step of the way. Our faith reminds us that that promise is real. All we have to do is keep our eyes on the road and say thanks be to God. Amen.